Welcome back to the Humans of Tallinn podcast. If you're new, then welcome aboard. Humans of Tallinn is a Baltic film, media, arts and communication school cross-media second year students project about the people of Tallinn with the aim to show the colors of the city through its inhabitants. Today we will be talking to our guest Robin, a 21-year-old professional para-athlete who was selected the best young athlete of 2017 and has been among the best in para-swimming in the world. He currently studies product design in the Estonian Academy of Arts. When he met our team, he told to them about how he was supposed to go to the Tokyo Olympics this year and how today's situation in the world has made his life different. Hello, Robin. Hello. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Can you tell me and to all of our listeners, how did you become a para-athlete? Uh, it's like a quite a long story, but uh, uh, in short, it was basically that... Uh, Uh, I uh, started swimming lessons when I was like four or five because my parents wanted to teach, uh, teach me like how to swim. And uh, in the third grade, uh, we had like uh, swimming lessons in the school. And um, uh, there was this uh, teacher who saw me uh, and uh, she was like extremely happy to see me. And she recommended me to my current uh, coach. And uh, from there on, I just uh, started uh Uh, to swim with the coach and uh, and I got better and better and better and then uh, in the end I get, became a para athlete. Okay, and can you also tell people because many people don't actually know what the para in para athletics means. It's uh, actually it means parallel, so every everyone is kind of like equal. Uh, no, um, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually parallel. I was, I was, I was at first I thought it was paraplegic, but actually, yeah, I think it's parallel. Yeah, because many, many people think that that this is what it, uh, this is what it actually means. And what is like, uh, what's the reason why you can't, uh, can't do like, uh, quote unquote, normal sports? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, basically, I was born without uh, uh, left arm up to the elbow, and this has been with me since the birth, and I have gotten really used to it. And I don't really mind it at all, but uh, usually I wear a prosthetic chest because people won't be looking so weirdly at me. Okay, but is it more comfortable for you to be without it? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, it is more comfortable when I'm at home. I don't wear the prosthetic. Okay, and uh, how popular is uh, parasport in Estonia? It's uh, it's weird to say because there aren't that many Estonians, and the chances of uh, like uh, like a kid uh, being born without uh, I don't know some hand or a leg is isn't that like uh, um, common. So I mean, as many there are kids uh, uh, that really like want to do something. Uh, then I mean, it's how do I tell you? It's so difficult to tell you. Like I guess it's like as popular as it can be. Okay, but uh, would you say like what's in the ballpark? Like what number of people do you have? Uh, for example, you do swimming, like uh, you mean in Estonia? It, in or Est- yeah, in Estonia. Because are there different like for you as a swimmer? Do you train with uh, other swimmers who are uh, quote unquote normal athletes, or do you have like a different training schedule, uh, like a regimen? Uh, I actually train quite similar to normal swimmers, but. Uh, uh, I just maybe swim a little less than the average ones because it takes me a little bit longer time to do the laps because I'm missing one arm. But um, I guess in numbers, uh, what you asked was, I guess that's in in hundreds. But uh, but uh, yeah, 
I don't know the exact number. But do you feel like uh, it should be getting more attention or uh, should uh, the approach be different for para-athletes? Or, or is there any anything like the state should do or the country should do to be more uh, supportive? Or, or is the training just basically the same and you just mm. have to do what you can do? Well, there's two things that really like uh, we as para-athletes need. Is, one is the people. I, I think that... Uh, I think we're not currently maybe there yet, but I think there should be like special uh, therapists and uh, uh, massage people, I guess, uh, that uh, do the know like the body uh, like extremely well, even on people who, who are a little bit disabled, because it uh, our body changes so uh, differently. I mean, my right uh, side is so much more heavier than my left side, and because of that, my back goes uh, like it gets to. I have a little small scoliosis, so. Uh, And also because my left side is so much more weaker, my left leg is also so much more weaker. And uh, like how to do train with this kind of uh, disabilities. And currently it's we don't really have that uh, that in Estonia. So you don't have the professionals or the coaches yeah. who know how to train specifically yeah. for issues like that. Yeah. Yeah, that does make sense. Uh, and w- how do you think the majority of the population uh, perceives parasport in Estonia? Um... To be frankly honest, I think they still think that it's some kind, something that's like uh, everyone gets a, partip- a participation medal, and uh, it's not really not uh, really a real sport, but actually it is. And I I train as much as the normal athletes do, uh, but uh, but I I I think they still think that it's it's not even like a event uh, to be proud of. Mm. That's very interesting. It's uh, uh, my stepmom is a swimmer. She holds many Estonian records, and now like not all of her children, but many of them to swimming as well. So it's uh, it's very mm-hmm. interesting that it's uh, that you happen to uh, happen to sw- uh, swim as well. Uh, but uh, are people motivated enough to uh, become para athletes, and uh, what could be improved about it? I guess um, uh, yes and no. I mean, the motivation is there to be like good and uh, best and get medals for our country, but uh, there isn't that much money to do it. So you don't. You usually have to do something uh, besides like swimming because you don't have the. We don't have the financial support. Mm-hmm. So you like let's say normal athletes they get some kind of like uh, monthly income from the government or the uh, Olympic committee, but we don't. We only get, uh, let's say, bonuses for, let's say, we did uh, good in some competitions or stuff like that. But uh, like a current salary, we don't have. And uh, how do you handle uh, swimming and uh, going to the university at the same time? It's extremely difficult. Uh, I I try to balance it. But uh, and it, like uh, I think that right now I'm suffering a little bit because of the school. Because uh, mo- it's mostly like school is taking the more time than like training, and I can't uh, train with my coach, uh, so I mostly train alone uh, right now. Because due to the timetables, I either have two options to go extremely early in the morning or to go extremely late in the evening. Do you feel there could be something done about it to improve it, or is it just like you've you've decided to? to study something that takes up a lot of your time and uh, it's just about time management basically. I think it's the second option. Yeah, okay. It's yeah. Uh... Uh, what do you think about the uh, city tempo in Tallinn? Do you feel like we're living in a, is it a fast-paced uh, city or a slow-paced city or uh... 
Do you have an opinion about that? Uh, it's a good question. Uh, I think that we're we're uh, getting to like uh, to being an extremely fast city. I feel like in like in maybe the last five years, I feel like everyone's super busy and everyone's like just like have a really like a focused face when they walk to go somewhere. But uh, I think it's like still kind of small, and uh, because of that, I think that the the tempo is a little bit slower. Then let's say I don't know a little bit bigger cities. I feel like we were uh, just a small city until uh, they made the video crossing so that you can cross it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And at <laughs> yeah. that point, we became <laughs> became like a real city. Uh, how do you feel uh, the uh, tempo in the city and in your own life has changed uh, since uh, the Corona outbreak? Uh, I guess, I mean, with school, not that much. Because, uh, but with training, it has slowed down a lot. Uh, because I, when when the Corona f- first came, like everything was closed. So basically, I sat home and only uh, maybe did some exercise with dumbbells and uh, or went out running. But that was it. And I felt a little bit uh, like uh, that you don't really have to go anywhere. So you can do everything at home or outside of your house. And it really slowed down the tempo. Uh, you mentioned before that uh, because uh, you don't have a left arm, yeah. then your right right side is much uh, stronger, yeah. and it does make sense because you obviously you can't work out with your left arm as much and yeah. uh, and all of that. But are there like special things you can do and you have to do to try to keep your body in balance in some way? Um, I mean the like. Uh, mm, I, I like it's it's really difficult because uh, I really like the only way to do something is try to be like really inventive in the gym like gym tr- trying the different kind of uh, machines and like what can like when I lift something with my like I can lift things with my left hand a little bit but uh, not that much and trying to see like what kind of muscles do they uh, work with and uh, and things like that but like I guess a little, a little bit of Cairo. Uh, <coughs> Let me get a drink. That's okay. Uh, I like uh, therapy and uh, and massages. Like uh, they kind of uh, help to do that. They like maybe stretch out my legs, uh, like uh, and uh, massage some spots that get extremely like uh, uh, painful, and. Uh, and from there, I guess I just do it like extremely, like day by day. And how do you feel? Uh, have you lived uh, all of your life in Tallinn? Yeah. Yes. Okay. And how do you feel that the people here? Um, how do I say it? How do they take to someone uh, that is missing a limb? Uh, usually, they're not that. Uh, they're they're more curious than they're they're afraid. They're mm-hmm. just like uh, looking and doing stuff. And generally, people are extremely helpful. They really just want to help when they see you doing something. So uh, the stereotype that Estonians don't really want to do anything with is wrong in a way. Mm. Because for me, the first like when I uh, see, like it's the same. Let's say somebody has a strange like scar on their face or like like paint on them or whatever. Like you see somebody and there is something different. Then the first thing I want to do is I want to get 
like get it over over with yeah. you know i want to know like what happened and yeah. then i don't have to think about it anymore yeah. but but how how do you feel are there some people who like when they see that something is different from normal let's say that they try to avoid it because they feel uncomfortable because of it uh, i guess some people do maybe i think it's more elderly people i guess i don't know why but during the years i've seen that uh, usually elderly people are more like seeing like get a little bit away or look uh, but younger people don't really mind it at all yeah because uh, a few weeks ago i was at the gym and uh, a friend of mine was training with her trainer and uh, she introduced me to her trainer and her trainer uh, gave me a handshake and when i was doing the handshake i realized that she only had like two or three fingers but she just like came in very strongly and just did it and i was walking over and i was like oh wait a minute this person only had two or three f- fingers but it uh, but it uh, yeah because because i feel it's so it's so much easier when you just Yeah, when you just talk about it, yeah. and when you when you know what's what's going on, yeah. and you said before that you were uh, born like that. Yeah, yeah. And th- th- can I ask, or is it too like personal, or do you know like why why it happened? Uh, I can answer you that, uh, but the answer is disappointing that uh, no one knows why. Mm. It's like uh, the doctors didn't know, and my parents asked, but like really didn't know, and so it's like a mystery, I guess. But uh, I think uh, because I'm born this way. I think I'm a lot more open to the like discussions and I don't really mind it at all. Like uh, when like a small child asks me, I always like answer them. Even if it's in Russian, I try to answer them in some kind of ways. So just that uh, they will know and they won't be afraid like uh, in the future when they see someone who's uh, kind of same like me. Uh, when you went to school, when you were growing up, Yeah. Was it difficult? Was it uh, like with your classmates? How how fast did they get used to it, or was it something? Uh, was it something that was a problem in school? It wasn't a problem at all. I think I, it was really in my mentality because I really don't want to be like I really want to be like a full like a normal person because I really want to I don't want to feel like I'm a disabled person and I really tell it to myself like every day that you're like a normal person and uh, you can do everything. And uh, I think because of that mentality, uh, like a lot of people accepted me as like a normal kid. And there w- there weren't really like, I guess, like any problems with this, uh, with the, because of my dis- disability. I mean, I did uh, like different like uh, rousy things, but uh, it wasn't because of the disability. Uh, how often do you interact with strangers day to day? Uh, with uh, with my disability? No, or just just, uh, just uh, in general. In general, but you, you can you can answer either question. Yeah, wh- whichever I, one is more uh, more interesting. I mean, I'll answer their first first question. I guess quite a lot because in uh, Estonian Academy of Arts there is a lot of like uh, some projects or uh, things you need to ask from certain people that you really don't know. So uh, you kind of, I wouldn't say like almost every day. But but quite often actually. And do you find it comfortable? I actually do. Uh, I mean, uh, I mean, if they if they see if the other like part uh, of the conversation seems uh, kind of like happy and not really aggressive, then I don't mind it at all. Okay. Um, do you feel there is a possibility of a friend in every stranger? I guess yeah, there is. I really I think that I really. Everyone. Am, I mean. Uh, I mean, not maybe everyone, because I guess like uh, some things can come in the way, maybe different uh, opinions on some topics. But I really like imagine the 
like I, I don't know sitting next to an elderly person in the park and talking to them to see like what is their life and uh, how they are I think uh, I, I mostly I'm mostly positive about it tell me of the most interesting or a very memorable interaction with a stranger from the past year let me give me a second I need to think hmm hmm It's like uh, you don't really remember those. Uh, yeah, it, it, but if you want, it can be from two years ago or three years ago. But just just uh, uh, some time when you've met somebody who was a stranger and you can still remember it because something. I guess I guess I can remember uh, one thing when uh, I took a cab, and there was this uh, I don't know this guy. He was from Sarema. But he was like extremely chill and extremely polite, and we uh, talked all the way through the taxi journey. And uh, I don't know, it made my day a lot better because he was so ex- so like positive, and gave me like a good energy. Hmm. Uh, okay, this this is maybe a very stupid question, but I'm gonna ask it anyway. Uh, do you have many friends, or do you know many people who also are missing a limb? Mm, I don't know that many because, as I mentioned, that there, uh, I there aren't that many disabled people in Estonia because our of our like uh, population, and if if there uh, even are there, uh, a lot of people are actually like hiding uh, and not really like talking or communicating about it. Because where I, where I was going with that question is, I've had the feeling for many many years uh, from uh, people who are missing limbs that it's oftentimes people who have lost their limbs or who are missing limbs who are much more cheerful and happy because my theory is that when you like when you don't have something that everyone else has it makes you appreciate everything that you do have mm-hmm. and so i often find that people with uh, like uh, many missing limbs are super super mm-hmm. happy and super positive because they have this like contrast Mm-hmm. And many people who have all the limbs are just always complaining, like, "Oh, I'm not fast enough. I'm not beautiful mm-hmm. enough. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is." Mm-hmm. And the, my question would be, like, do you find that to be true? Uh, yes, I actually do. I think it's, uh, but it's also, I think it's, uh, it's kind of like the uh, mentality thing that um, that uh, let's say uh, I know that I can't do some things, and I'm totally okay with it. So I don't really get disappointed by some things that, like, let's say, for example, I can't ride a motor- motorcycle, and I don't feel bummed about it. So I guess uh, this is like the second part why I feel so happy all the time. There is this is so off topic, but uh, it just reminded me of something. There is a man, I don't know his name. I can find it out. Uh, there is a man who helps people with uh, dying. And some horrible accident happened to him, so he lost basically both of his legs from under mm-hmm. his knees, and at least one of his arms from above the elbow, mm-hmm. and he maybe has one arm, mm-hmm. and he rides a motorcycle because mm-hmm. he found a guy who was uh, able to like bas- basically tune him a mo- motorcycle in mm-hmm. a way that he has like he has three limbs like uh, the three um, prosthetics mm-hmm. and he rides a motorcycle with that and he has mm-hmm. like one one hand uh, a hook for a hand and he has mm-hmm. i think one hand which is f- fully functional mm-hmm. and they actually built him a motorcycle that he can mm-hmm. ride with just one hand mm-hmm. that's interesting that's pretty cool right yeah Yeah. So anything is possible. Yeah. Has anything uh, has anything happened that has really surprised you? 
Mm. Let's say again. Let's say in the past year. Mm, in Tallinn, I, I don't know, like. Or has anybody has anybody acted in a way that has really surprised you? Hmm, that you've been I, like, wow, this is very strange for a for an Estonian to act or for a person in talent to to act. Yeah, you know, because we because uh, I'll I'll give you an example. We did uh, we were organizing a party years and years and years ago, and we did a promo clip where we were walking on the streets of Tallinn and we just gave compliments to people, and most Estonians, and I say ninety five percent of the people, they got scared and they thought that we. Wanted to mock them, mm. or like we wanted something from them, and everybody was like, uh, they had a very strange, uh, strange mm-hmm. vibe to them. The only people who actually thanked us and who were actually uh, like pleased about it were tourists that we didn't know were st- mm. uh, like uh, tourists because because we didn't know. And there was like one lady who was like in her eighties who was actually like very very beautifully dressed and we said mm-hmm. like oh you look very beautiful today and then she was like oh thank you so much you guys look so beautiful as well and it's so nice to see you and there are so few people like that mm-hmm. because in Estonians there is still this thing that uh, like we've suffered so much and everybody wants something from everyone else and yeah, yeah, like yeah. you can't trust anybody and so you just try to say the nicest thing to somebody mm-hmm. and they don't trust you they mm-hmm. think like oh they want something from me mm-hmm. I guess like uh not even like uh, I would say like big things, but I I think it was a few weeks ago. Actually, I saw like uh, one of those uh, bolt scooters was laying down on the ground, and someone actually took it and put it back up uh, like uh, how it's supposed to be. And I think even even if it's like an extremely small thing, I don't expect a lot of like uh, general people to do that, like the little small uh, act of kindness to to the company itself, I guess. And it's also very strange. Like even if you try to be kind to people. It's highly likely that they're gonna refuse because one of the yeah. things that I often suggest for people to do is if you're waiting to buy a coffee in a cafe and there is somebody behind you, mm-hmm. offer to buy them a coffee as well. Mm-hmm. And they're like 99% of the time they're gonna say no. Yeah, you're actually just offering to buy them mm-hmm. a coffee for free. You don't want anything from them, mm-hmm. but they're gonna be like, no. What mm-hmm. do you want from me? Mm-hmm. Like, why are why are you talking mm-hmm. to me? Why do you want to give me a coffee? Yeah. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. So people are people are super super strange like that. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's 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 like yeah the small act of kindness. I think it's like that really goes uh, unnoticed in the cities city cities because you don't really see the kindness from the big masses of uh, negativity and stuff like that. Yeah, and I now I actually remember, this is again, it's so off topic, but I'm going to tell it anyway. When I lived in Melbourne, I did this uh, test when for 30 days, every day I had to try to do something uh, and uh, I tried to ask something from people that they would definitely say no to. Mm. So it, is, it was basically like a test of rejection so you, mm. that you have to get uh, rejected for 30 days straight every day with something. So you do something or you ask something that everybody would obviously say no to. Mm-hmm. And so I just asked uh, one day uh, for people to give me money, mm-hmm. just str- strangers. And obviously they say, said no. And what I did then was I offered to give them money mm-hmm. and they also said no. Mm-hmm. I was just offering like, hey, here is like I, I gave them like five or ten dollars mm-hmm. or something like that. And everybody was like, no, I'm mm-hmm. not taking it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is very strange, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Completely off topic once more. But I just... Uh, that's what came to my mind. So 
you know what actually there is something that i haven't asked a single question about why do you go to the estonian uh, arts academy uh, um, i go to the estonian academy of arts uh, the story was uh, that uh, basically at the end of the high school i was this kind of kid that didn't really know what to do uh, with his life and i saw like an advert that uh, come to estonian academy of arts to the uh, i don't know how it's in english but i guess it's in like open days or something like that mm-hmm. like uh, you can go to the school and see it and they give you some kind of a tour and stuff like that and i went there and for some reason it became like a like an idea that i have to be in in uh, estonian academy of arts like i don't know for some reason and i uh, study industrial design which is basically like uh, where i create products and i've always because of my disability i've been like an inventor from i think since i was uh, i could talk because i really needed to think through like uh, how can i do this or this or this at that and i and this is like the closest kind of uh, profession to an inventor mm-hmm. so i think that's the reason and i really enjoy the school because it's our school is like i think maximum 1500 people i think with uh, actually with lecturers and stuff like that and it's like extremely like a small cute uh, university where almost everyone knows like uh, everyone <laughs> it's weird to say but uh, it kind of is and you feel like so uh, warm in there that you don't really want to leave from the school like everyone is kind of kind to you and uh, happy that's very beautiful to hear that's yeah that's that's the warmest uh, words i've heard about uh Estonian <laughs> academy of arts so far but uh, it's it's uh, interesting that you mentioned that because uh of your condition uh you basically you've had to be an inventor since you were a child and this is like where this truism like that every curse is a blessing in disguise comes from because when something happens to you or where you, when you're put in a position that is like difficult in some way it forces you to try to uh, think of new ways mm-hmm. to accomplish something mm-hmm. and this is why like it's never the people who are the most successful and the most happy and the most well raised and the most well everything that come up with new ideas mm-hmm. or that really like push the world forwards because they have they have no need for it mm-hmm. but it's always somebody that has like a problem mm-hmm. even with the, even with art you know you mm-hmm. have some some sort of an issue whether it's with like with love or with war or whatever it is and this is the thing that pushes you to like oh i have to fix something i have to find mm-hmm. a find a way to express something and and missing a limb is just like a very it's just like a very how do i say world i can't find the right word but it's a it's a one manifestation mm-hmm. of of a thing when you just have to find different ways to behave in everyday situations mm-hmm. and nobody else even ha- has to think about anything like that mm-hmm. but are there things that you've like invented for yourself or is there anything like that you feel you would you would like to invent that would make life easier for you or for other people uh and maybe to, to follow that up so so i don't forget uh, forget about it when you think of product design and when you think about let's say inventing things uh is it usually connected uh, to your your uh situation yeah. or is it normally not connected to it mm-hmm. at all uh to, what was the first question that you asked me i have no idea <laughs> i just asked the question and then i, I i've completely forgotten about it 
Oh, uh, what have I invented in uh, in my everyday life? Yes, or is there is there something yeah. that you would really like? Like you have an idea in yeah. your mind? You were like, uh, oh. I mean, probably I won't invent it, but I would really like to play guitar or uh, play the piano. I would really like to, but I mean, with one hand, you can't do like uh, that much with with those uh, instruments, and. Uh, Usually what I mean by inventing is that everyday situations like even how to tie a shoelace or uh, or how to eat with a fork and a knife and uh, and those kind of things like you have to adapt to those and I think this is where the inventing part comes from and to answer this uh, the product design part is that generally no uh, we usually do projects that are in let, let's say the like the what the lecturers give us so it we don't really have that much that much like uh, open hands in terms with projects what's uh, the greatest invention ever uh greatest invention ever wow <laughs> it's a very dumb question i know it's, it's no it's like a it's like difficult actually i don't know the wheel i guess the wheel i guess the wheel okay I think. what about the glasses glasses are also good But I mean, if you would have to pick, if I would have to pick, hmm, I think the wheel, or a chair. I think chair is also something extremely cool. Yeah, that's that's a very I good mean, point. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what's uh, what's the greatest invention that anybody has made for uh, people with missing limbs? Uh, hmm. Is there are there things? Because again, this is something I have no idea about. Are there? Uh, Objects are there products that are made spe- uh, specifically for people with missing limbs that they use day to day to do normal things. That because uh, you mentioned like uh, tying your shoelaces mm-hmm. and stuff like that before, I have no idea how you do it, and I imagine there are so many things mm-hmm. that like like closing your jacket with mm-hmm. uh, uh, mm-hmm. the uh, sounds impossible yeah. to me. Uh, and so, are there things like objects that uh, are used a lot mm-hmm. by uh, people mm-hmm. with missing limbs I mean uh, uh, I don't know that much but I'll tell you that uh, that uh, when the, it came to the topic of tying your shoes is that uh, I think it was two years ago Nike made those uh, shoes that had the automatic motor to get the shoes like done and this was like quite quite heavily uh, like uh, advertised to people with disabilities because I mean let's say you have Parkinson's and you, you there is no possible like way but you can at least hold something so that you can at least have your t- uh, shoes uh, made I think this is something but mostly I think the what they have invent uh, usually invent is uh, like better prosthetics I guess that's that's the main thing that they do But they don't have ones that you can use to play the piano yet. No, not yet. But I mean, I'm pretty confident that in my lifetime I will be able to play piano with two hands. And uh, what I wanted to also add is that, like, uh, when they create uh, products, they don't necessarily, let's say, advertise them to disabled people. But they, let's say, if I'm missing a limb, they usually design it in a way that uh, some kind of actions are uh, possible to do with only one hand. So you don't need the other. So this is like the kind of adaptation that you can uh, do with uh, certain products. Do you have some examples? Uh, bottle openers. So that there's, I don't know, some kind of uh, magnetic bottle openers that you can do with one hand. So you don't have to hold uh, the bottle with the uh, second hand. What's the most difficult thing to do with uh, with a missing limb for you? Um, that's a good question. 
I don't know. I is there anything that uh, that you uh, like you struggle with that is very easy for other people? Uh, eating with fork and knife. Oh yeah, well obviously. Yeah. But that's a stupid convention anyway. Yeah. Like, you yeah. Don't, nobody needs a knife. You can just yeah. eat with a fork. Yeah. I <laughs> no, mean, that's I mean, my personal opinion. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mostly eat actually with a fork, but I guess this is like when it's there, like a heavy meatloaf is on the on the plate, and you can't do it with your knife. Just you try to like push it so hard, and you can't do it, and then. I guess I'm excused of this, but I'll just go with bar- in like a Viking, just tap the fork inside the meat and just go like that because it's so much more easier to do. And I guess I hope that other people won't mind it. <laughs> it would be very interesting to know, like if everybody only had one arm, if all humans only had one arm, how different everything would be. Like all the yeah. inventions, everything in our life yeah. would, be, would probably be super, super different. Yeah, yeah, it probably would be. We will have to wait and see. Maybe the next virus is gonna grab an arm <laughs> off of everyone, and we, are, we will we will have a completely different world. Yeah. Uh, okay. Next up, I'm gonna ask you some questions that uh, people asked uh, on Instagram and Facebook. Mm-hmm. Boom. Uh, first question: Which one of your competitions is the most memorable, and why? Uh, it's the national, like, I mean, the world championships in uh, London, uh, it was in 2019. Yeah. I, and it's because I think London was like a special city. It was the, also the Olympic, uh, pool that, uh, w- that they used to held the 2012 London Olympics in. So that was kind of cool. Uh, and it looked beautiful. It was des- it was like the architect was Saha Hadid, and it looked extremely beautiful. And also, I did really well. I did I my personal time. I I did like uh, I made it better like two point five seconds, which is a lot in swimming. And uh, I was like really happy with it. But I I worked really hard for it as well. And I and I think that's the make the main reason that like the suffering and uh, the the sweat and tears and everything paid off. Yeah. Uh, um. Uh, again, I had my own question uh, uh, from that because uh, uh, we mentioned before that you were supposed to go to the Tokyo Olympics this year. Yeah. How disappointed were you that uh, they were cancelled? Um, I was disappointed a little bit. I mean, obviously, I was like uh, the one thing that sucked the most was I took a gap semester from school to train, uh, like uh, specifically for the Olympics. But uh, when the corona came, I was just sitting at home and not. I I didn't even go back to school. Uh, but uh, I wasn't that bummed about like the uh, event being cancelled because with me there's the like I wasn't the only one who suffered. There were then I I think ten thousand or even more people who like didn't get the chance to go to the Olympics. And I think when there is a bigger group of people uh, who suffer from the same thing, it makes it a little bit easier for uh, the individual. Okay, this uh, the next question is again so off topic, but uh, are they gonna hold the Olympics the next year or what? Yeah. what are they gonna do? Uh, they are there. I think what I have uh, read is that they confirmed it that it will be held uh, in the September of twenty twenty one, but uh, I think they do a lot of like. Uh, testing there like uh, they get uh, people on the stadiums and see how, if there is a chance to spread coronavirus and i think they really really want to like uh, uh, host it and okay so next year in september yeah the summer olympics of 2020 are happening in the autumn of 2021 that's yeah nice. <laughs> perfect uh, okay next question from uh, from the internet uh, 
Uh, it is widely believed that a person needs 10,000 hours to achieve the title professional. Do you think you already have spent 10,000 hours in training or no? And for people who don't know about that, that number basically comes from a book by Malcolm Gladwell, uh, where he said that uh, when you look at through, through any profession, basically, or anything that you can uh, train or uh, like... Um, spend time doing then 10,000 10, hours is like the magic number when you become a professional uh, I have thought about it many times like uh, I think I might have but uh, I mean it's not really like um, I would I wouldn't say maybe I haven't spent 10,000 hours exactly on swimming but uh, like swimming related things I mean I, I could uh, I would take into account like gyms and uh, all the other exercises that are outside of the pool as well, then I think maybe it is 10,000. Okay. And next question. Do you feel like living in a city makes you more active? Positively or negatively? That's a good question. Uh, I, don't, I think it does make me more active. Because for some reason, it's always when you're inside the city, you have like so much things to do. I don't know why, because, but sometimes when I just go out to the countryside, I don't know, with my friends or stuff like that, you feel like you don't really have to do anything and you feel like so free, which is also the like the good part of the countryside that you again like finally rest. But I don't know if I'm more active or less active. I think I'm more active in the city. Okay. Uh, th- and uh, again, maybe it's an interesting fact for our listeners. They've, uh, what they've managed to do is you take a camera and you put it on a city street and you f- uh, just film uh, people's legs walking on the street and you record the sound and from how fast people are walking and from how many syllables they say in a second, uh, they can basically say to the accuracy of like 10,000 people, how many people live in that city. Because the bigger the city is, uh, the faster people walk and the faster people talk. And you have to just see the feet moving and hear the syllables Mm -hmm. to say pretty much exactly how many people live there. Wow, that's amazing. (laughs) I didn't know that. Boom. (laughs) So somebody should do that in Tallinn and see if the numbers match. Uh, Okay, next question. Uh, Also the last one. If you were an animal, would you be a sea animal? That's a funny question. I guess... Yeah, maybe and because... don't and don't answer yes or no. Answer with uh, with the animal that you would be. Mm-hmm. I guess I like it would it would be like logical to be like a sea animal, but I don't know for some reason I think that flying seems so much more cooler, and I think eagle will be like a cool animal to be because it's like uh, you can you can kind of go anywhere where you want and do like. Uh, Whatever you like, I guess, and sometimes, and because you're the biggest bird in the world, so I mean, you can do whatever you want. Okay, I'm gonna ask you one more question. If you could change one thing about Tallinn, what would it be? If I could change one thing, um, I guess uh, I would want to have more bike lanes. I think. You mean the. Um, the paths of absolute death and terror next to the bus lanes are not good enough. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah. guess. Yeah, I think uh, I like I like to ride my bike a lot. Who are those monsters who have the courage to actually drive on those strange lanes? I, I actually, I actually do, and it's kind of scary, but you get used to it. But I mean, it's not safe at all, no. at all. Monsters, <laughs> it's, that's not normal. Okay, Robin, thank you very, very much for coming here uh, to Humans of Talent podcast. I had a very fun time talking to you. Yeah, and, thank, uh, thank you for having me. It was just it was uh, my first uh, podcast experience for me, and uh, this seems uh, like it's, it's it's just like a conversation to me, and I really exactly. enjoyed it. And this is that's what it uh, should be, and uh, we hope that uh, all the best for you. Yeah, and uh, thank you. Thank you for listening. This is the end of the episode. It was a pleasure and hope you had as much fun as we did. Special thanks to our guest, Robin, for coming and sharing his story. You can follow Humans of Tallinn on Facebook and Instagram at Humans of TLN. Stay tuned for our next episode and keep noticing the colorful humans around you. Bye-bye.